Hey, you found us. This is a podcast of Carbon Valley Lutheran Church in Firestone, Colorado, just north of Denver. We here at CVL firmly believe that community is built, not found, that it's local, not virtual. So we encourage everyone to find a local church and help them build their community and be a service to them. With that said, we pray that these podcasts supplement and not replace your spiritual journey. If you'd like to learn more about us at CVL, you can check us out on Facebook or on the web at carbonchurch.com, or even better, stop by in person. We worship at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. May the Lord bless your day. God's grace and his peace to you through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So as we begin our message today, I, I have some really good news to announce. I kind of alluded to it at the beginning of the, the service, but here's the good news. Uh, 50 weeks down, just over two weeks to go. That's right, just, just over two weeks, and 2020 will be done, and it'll be 2021. Not a lot of jumping up and down yet. I, what's going on? I, I figured that's good news because the, the closer it gets... I keep hearing things like, I'm so done with 2020. I can't wait for 2021. If uh, on social media you see all kinds of, of memes like, like this, people are just done. Do, do any of these things describe you? I'm so over it? <laughs> if, if they do, uh, I get it, right? I, I really do get the sentiment. But, but can I ask a question? Am I missing something? It, is there something going to happen when I flip that piece of paper over on my calendar and it's no longer 2020 and the words say 2021? Is something magical going to happen? I don't think so, but at the same time, like I said, I, I totally understand. I totally get it because within 2020, a lot of stuff has happened, a lot of struggles, a lot of challenges, a lot of changes. And when you have all those things within a year's span. You're just ready for it to be done. You're ready for something different. You're, you're longing for something better, right? So I totally understand. And that's why I'm so thankful that the Lord has provided these words that I'm going to read in just a second from Isaiah 61 today to people who are longing for something better. We're longing for a different kind of year God comes to us and he promises, he guarantees a better year. Now, it's not like you're thinking. I'm not trying to make some Nostradamus type of claim here about 2021. No, it's not about 2021. It's not about flipping the calendar. No, today we're going to be talking about the year of the Lord's favor. So let's get into God's word now and, and see what we can expect. How can we truly expect a better year from our God? We read God's word from Isaiah 61. It's printed for you in the service folder if you'd like to follow along. I also have it here on the screen. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release for those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor in the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn, 
to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a cloak of praise instead of a faint spirit, so that they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord to display his beauty. This is the word of our God. We're talking about some good news. God gives us some really good news today. And in regard to good news, have you ever realized that good news tends to be relative to your personal situation? Have you ever noticed that? Let me give you an example. The good news of someone else having a baby makes you smile, right? But the good news that you are going to have a baby, that changes your life forever. The good news that uh, your friend who has been worrying about uh, a lump that they have, that they receive the good news that it's benign, <sighs> makes you breathe a sigh of relief, right? But if it's been a lump on your body that, that you've been worrying about and you receive the good news that it's benign, that makes you fall on your knees, cry tears of joy. See the difference? And I experience that all the time as a pastor. I, I tend to spend a lot of time in the hospital comforting those who are in, in bad shape, but also rejoicing with those who receive good news from the doctor. And when it's good news, I, I drive home with a smile on my face. It's really happy. But even that is different from when I'm in the hospital, not as a pastor, but as a family member. Three years ago, uh, my mom had a very serious health crisis, so serious that I flew home to Michigan for the purpose of saying goodbye. Uh, it was certain in my mind. And yet, the doctor came out of the operating room and said, I have good news. She made it. I about fell on the floor and wept uncontrollably. You see, good news affects you differently when it's personal. It's a personal experience. So that, that's kind of my definition I want you to understand about good news as we talk about it today. It's not just happy things. It's a personal thing. Good news is something that completely changes your life after you hear it. Or good news is something that is good when you've personally walked in the cold, dark hopelessness of the bad news and all of a sudden there's unexpected hope and light. That's the kind of good news that God is talking about today. And, and that's the kind of deep personal experience that God is describing in the words that I read to you from Isaiah 61. You can look at them again. I'm going to highlight um, the words there. Afflicted, brokenhearted, captive, bound. Obviously, those are describing dark, hopeless things, right? As you focus on these words, what I want you to think about is how personal, though, are those words to you? Do they strike you personally, or are they just general bad things? I think that's important if I'm going to convince you that this really is good news. So think about that. Now, the people hearing these words for the very first time, I have no doubt that these were deeply personal. I've talked about it in the last couple of sermons. We're going through this series on Isaiah and his prophecies. Isaiah was writing to people uh, around, well, with this, we know exactly what time he's talking about, 589 to 586 B.C. And these are actual historical events, not just recorded in the Bible, but 
but in, in history, you can even find it on Wikipedia. <laughs> um, what this referred to was the fact that a foreign king came and laid siege to the city of Jerusalem. And um, I don't know if you know about a siege, but let me describe it. What happens is uh, uh, an army comes and surrounds your, your city, your most fortified city, and nobody can go in and nobody can go out. Worse yet, no supplies go in, no exports go out. This happened for three years. And so you can imagine just the, the devastation. First of all, physically, you run out of resources. And it's not just that you're poor, you're starving, literally. And imagine the devastation psychologically, the stress, the fear day after day. This took place for three years. So what happened is many people died. And if you were lucky enough to stay alive for the actual defeat, you were deported and carried off into captivity. So you can see why these words really spoke to that situation and why they were personal for these people hearing these words. Afflicted, brokenhearted, captive, bound. This was their situation. But what about you? How personal are they for you? I have no doubt that you have gone through some things this year that probably make these words personal. There's a reason we want to flip the calendar on 2020. Let's just talk about the main thing of 2020, right? In some way, shape, or form, the pandemic-induced recession has hit you a little bit or a lot. Maybe it's the fear of what the economy is going to be like and how it's going to affect you in the future. Or maybe you've had physical difficulties that you never thought you would have. It's affected you. That's affliction weighing down on you. In some way, shape, or form, the um, pandemic itself, the health crisis has affected you. It could be the, the heartbreaking thought of all the people who have lost their lives to this virus. Or maybe you lost a dear loved one because of COVID. My uncle passed away a, a week ago from COVID. It's heartbreaking. In some way, shape, or form, um, the, the health restrictions that are for our health benefits have maybe affected you negatively too. Maybe it's just the, the mental state of not being able to socialize and being with family and friends and you're lonely or you're feeling down or maybe you're worried about losing some of your American freedoms. These things have affected you and um, these things are, are real. And, and these things are, are dark, and, and maybe you personally have experienced a lot of hopelessness recently. And I'm just going to stop right there and say I'm, I'm really sorry about that. And I want to invite you as a pastor to call me if you, if you need, need anybody to listen. Um, I'd love to help carry that burden if I can. But here's the thing about all of those things. Um, as real as they are, if we're going to experience really, truly good news today, if, if this good news is going to change everything that comes after it, if this news is go good news is really going to be personal, then it has to address more than military defeats and economic downturns 
and, and pandemics. These words have to get even more personal. And, and really, that's what God is doing with these words. And I don't know if you realize it or not, but actually, I maybe even dare say God gets, God gets even more dark with these words. I know that things are weighing on you, but when we look at affliction, I would say that we haven't truly felt affliction until we realize the fiery wrath of God that we incur, incur by even the slightest disobedience of his commands, those things that we just call, oh, little slip-ups, let alone the things we knowingly and intentionally do every day. That's affliction. And I would say that I know we felt pain in our hearts, but we haven't truly felt heartbreak until we realize that, yes, God does have wrath, but he's only used his power ever with us to call us and to bless us and to seek us out and to establish a relationship with us. And yet, all we do is, is try to push him and his love out of our lives when we pursue our own ideas of happiness. That's heartbreaking, that separation we bring about. And, and I know that we've felt restrictions that we haven't felt in, ever in our lives but I would dare say we, we can't really grasp what captivity is until we actually try to break free from that sin that we love so much. And all of a sudden re realize we can't because it has, it has us in its grasp so tightly. That's the real and personal experience that you and I have found ourselves in. On our own, it's dark. And it's hopeless. It's, it's truly bad news. One more illustra illustration of this, and then we'll get to the good news. Uh, recently, I've been uh, kind of binge-watching a show called Everest on Amazon Prime. And it's this documentary of people trying to get to the top of the world, the highest summit, Mount Everest. And what has really stood out to me is how foolish it all is. And the reason I say that is because people will get up to close to the summit, about 26,000 feet, and they still have a little ways to go. But in that atmosphere, there's a third of the oxygen that is needed for human life, and they just lose it. <laughs> Literally, fingers and toes will be dying because of frostbite. Their eyes will be burning because of snow blindness. Their, their brains are swelling with acute altitude sickness. They're literally in the throes of death, and yet they keep going as though they're fine. The, the altitude and the lack of oxygen makes them delirious and oblivious to the fact that they're dying. They don't even know it, and they keep going. And it's only if they happen to be lucky enough that someone would just physically turn them around and rescue them and send them down the mountain that they finally realize how bad off they were. And then they realize how gracious they are and how grateful they are that someone rescued them. To me, that's the situation that God is describing here. That's our situation here according to those first words affliction and brokenhearted. It's as bad as it gets with God and our eternity, and yet we just press on every day 
almost oblivious to the fact that we're dying. And I know it's been all bad news, but that's what I was getting at. You have to get to that point where it's personal and it's dark and it's real because that's when God comes to us with these words. So what does God do? Well, hear the words of your God. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release for those who are bound. You see how loving your God is and how personal he is? The Lord sends one to rescue us. And who is this? Obviously, God used Isaiah to write down these words, but this is not Isaiah talking here. This is not me talking. This is none other than God's chosen one. This is Jesus himself, our Savior, our rescuer. This is a promise of what would happen with Christmas. That to people who are delirious and dying, a rescuer would come. And just think about the good news that this is. To we who are afflicted by the holy wrath of God, Jesus comes to us and he takes our place. It's he, not you, who is considered stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. To we whose hearts are breaking at being separated from our loving God, Jesus comes and he binds up that relationship. It is he, not you, who is cut off and forsaken by God on the cross. By his wounds, we are healed. To we who are, are captive to our, our sins and to, to temptation, Jesus comes and frees us because it's he, not you, who was delivered over to death for our sins and then raised to life to set us free from them. You see, that is way better than flipping a calendar, isn't it? That's way better than 2021. What God is doing here is he's proclaiming a year where things are better. And it's described as this, the year of the Lord's favor. Not 2021, but the year of the Lord's favor is a time where all those things are true for you. A time where we know every day that even though economic and finance finances might, might crash and, and personal debts might rise, our debt of sin has been paid for once and for all. God loves us and he forgives us because of Jesus. The year of the Lord's favor is, is a time where we know every day that even though our heart breaks from illness and death right now, a time is coming when there will be no more death and no more mourning and no more sorrow, no more tears because heaven is real it's yours in Jesus, and it's coming soon. The year of the Lord's favor is a time where we know every single day that even though it feels like we're captive to our temptations, Jesus has set us free. He declared victory over the devil. It is for freedom that Jesus has set us free. And so that's what you can look forward to. That is yours. Not a flipping of the calendar, not a new 2021 but the year of the Lord's favor. 
So I pray that that is the good news that you can experience in a personal way today. I'll agree. Yeah, bring on 2021. That'd be great. What could it hurt, right? But it's better than that. It's not just getting to a new calendar year. The good news for you today is that because of Jesus, the year of the Lord's favor is now. Amen. Amen.